GameStrat is the number one choice for football coaches looking for the most reliable and advanced sideline replay system on the market. More coaches are switching to GameStrat because it simply works when it's supposed to work. And unlike other systems, GameStrat is simpler to set up and use, delivers the fastest video transfer times in the industry, gives you the most tagging capabilities, and has the best game day support. Choose GameStrat for your game day needs. Cultural Classroom is supported by Lausanne Learning, a nonprofit run by educators for educators with a mission to engage students, empower teachers, and transform schools. Through professional development conferences focusing on active learning, practical resources, and reflective teaching, including fishbowl classrooms and a unique teacher-to-teacher -teacher consulting program, Lausanne Learning is providing the authentic professional development your school needs. Visit them at lawsandlearning.com today to find one of their active learning conferences near you and to learn more about changing education from the ground up. Joining us in the classroom today is Drew Lieberman, uh, and he is the creator of the Sideline Hustle. And Coach Lieberman, for our listeners, wide receiver play, that's kind of your thing, and you're taking it to new levels. You're elevating performance all over. I know I share it with our wide receivers, and I don't even coach that position. So uh, the work that you're doing is valuable, and uh, just tell us a little bit how you got started in it, how this sideline hustle came to be, and uh, what's on the horizon coming forward. Absolutely, and I appreciate you guys uh, having me on. <clears throat> um, the way we started was really like from a whim. Um, I was I found myself at 24 years old. I was the youngest coach in the Big Ten, coaching at Rutgers. I was the assistant receivers coach, um, and then you know all of a sudden our whole staff got fired. I saw all these like kind of lives ripped apart and I kind of thought to myself like, all right, I've been working 20 hours a day, sleeping under my desk for four straight years. And I just saw all these guys get fired. Like, is this really the life I want? Like, am I really trying to really commit to this? And, and ultimately at the time I was like, no, let me take a step back um, and see what other options, what other ways I could kind of use the game of football to create a career. So I, I left, I left Rutgers as the youngest coach in the big Ten. went back to my alma mater, Western university to get my master's degree thinking I was going to write a book about coaching the stories about coaching division one football, uh, that book turned into a podcast. Uh, the podcast had a lot of success early on and the podcast really led to the demand for all the video breakdowns. And once I saw how much attention the video breakdowns were getting and, and how much value it was providing people, I kind of just doubled down on that. And we've been really just like our focus for the last two years has been just creating the, the most educational receiver focused content that we possibly can um, and put it out for free on Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, everything. Um, and, and once, once the videos kind of started blowing up, I had a lot of NFL guys hit me up uh, wanting to work with me and wanting to train with me. Um, and that's kind of when my whole career shift focused from thinking I was going to be a coach. And now I'm training. I have over 15 clients in the NFL over a hundred high school college clients in New Jersey and, and really around the country. I've got guys who fly from me from, I had a kid who flew, from me, flew to me from Brazil for two weeks to work. Like I, I have kids from all over flying to get work. So now, now it's kind of become like exactly what I envisioned where, you know, using the game of football in a different way. I'm not a prisoner to a program um, where, you know, you have to work a million hours a week and I'm, I'm kind of able to impact thousands and impact the masses while, kind of doing it my own way so it's been it's been a really fulfilling experience and, and something I'm very very grateful to have been able to, to to do thus far yeah so one of our guests Justin Grandinetti and you and him know each other really well um, one thing he said to me and I was asking him uh, about the sideline hustle 
So I got to ask you, like, why is it called the sideline hustle? Now he alluded to me, he goes that you are the guy that hustles more than any person on this planet. So can you go into maybe the, the name, the sideline yeah. hustle and where that came from? So, so to be honest with you, like I said, the whole platform started as a storytelling platform and it was a podcast. It was stories about, cause, cause what I realized was that when I started coaching football, I realized, yo, nobody really has any idea what it's like at the highest level. Like even D3, D2 coaches, like you think you know what it's like. But when you get to the highest levels of play where you think it's all buttoned up, everything's figured out, it's absolute buffoonery. It's absolute chaos. But but everyone's like hustling their ass off. Everyone's working really hard. And at the time when I started, I thought I wanted to create a platform for coaches to share their story. And that's kind of how it came. Like I was, it just came to me from just brain. Like I had the idea of the platform done before I could figure out the name. And when I thought I wanted, I wanted to depict what it was like working in football was kind of like where the frame came, where the phrase came from. Like, what is it like working in the sport of football, whether you're a player, whether you're a coach, whatever, like you're hustling on the sideline. Um, And sideline hustle was kind of came to me one day and and it stuck. And, And I think it really does depict like, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, again, to work with, 15, 20 NFL players like really closely. I've worked with some of the best coaches in the world. And then also you work with the D3, D2 kids. Like you see all the similarities amongst everyone. And in the end of the day, when you're on that sideline on the field, like you're working as hard as you can to get the job done and, and to further yourself. And I think it's something that like all of us in football can relate to is that sort of extra effort that you give to, to further yourself and help the team win. Right. Well then here's, I'm a wide receiver coach. So, I'm going to pick your brain on a little bit, and, and I think we can make this a fun episode uh, around this, is, um, you know, there's so many cultures of, like, how physical a linebacker is supposed to be or an offensive line. You know, you hear O-line coaches say they're just dumb O-line coaches when they're typically probably the smartest people on the field. Um, right. What is your deal? And I have my own little niche, and we, we can hit this back and forth, and John does a big thing with identity with his running backs as well. But what are some qualities that you look for in receivers? So the tangible and the intangible. Uh, the first thing I look for is a kid who's competitive. Um, the first, the first thing I look for is is just like the, it, it, it's their overall essence. Like I've coached a lot of really talented receivers. I've coached a lot of really untalented receivers who made themselves great players. Like, like for me personally, like I'm really hard on my players. I'm a very intense coach. Like I can't coach kids who who are soft and non-competitive. Like, I need a kid who wants to win above all else. And I think that in my time coaching Division 1A, Big Ten football, I've coached CAA, Big uh, D1AA football, I've coached D3 football, I've coached high school football. And I think, especially the lower levels, I've, I've found that kids just, kids will coach, will, will play under me for a couple months and, and quit. And it's because it's too hard for them. I'm too demanding. And I just, and, and to be honest, it's, it's not something that really upsets me. Like, I just think that you need to set a standard of a certain level of competitiveness and a certain level of commitment. And you, you're not allowed to fall below that standard. And if you do, your life is going to be hell for it. Uh, and I think, I think that's really like the number one thing that, that any culture I've built is kind of, has been built on is, is that competitiveness and that desire to win, that desire to put your team first. Um, and especially at the wide receiver position, like to really go deep into this, like, like the, the way I, the reason, so I, I coach with a lot of intensity. I'm, I really harp on details. I really force everything to be right. And when it's not right, I go crazy. And, and the reason is because like, when I really thought about the, the natural psychology of a wide receiver, 
the game is built for wide receivers to complain and feel bad for themselves, right? Like if you're the best wide receiver in the world and you have gotten so good at getting open that you can beat the cornerback on every play, you still have no control over getting the ball. Like you still, the, the, the coach has to call the right play. The quarterback has to catch the snap. The O-line has to block and he has to not get sacked. The quarterback has to make the right read. And then he's got to throw it accurately to you and give you a chance to catch the ball. Like there's so much that has to happen. So, like, if, if you're not, as a coach, a stickler on every detail, it's so easy for these guys to feel bad for themselves when they've been fighting their ass off for 65 plays and they've only gotten four opportunities or six opportunities. It's really easy to feel down. So, so I just think, like, the nature of the position is one where you, you have to constantly get yourself ready for the next play, even if the last 40 plays haven't come your way. And the only way I know to do that is, is again, it's the competitiveness, it's the desire to win, um, but, but it's really the attention to detail and the pride that the guys take in, in their craft and in all the little details of the position. I think it's a very unique position that way. Yeah, and the more you dive into that, sorry, JT, we uh, we no, threw, our guys threw for uh, or in the championship game this year, and JT knows the story, but our guys uh, caught for 593, so our quarterback threw for 593 in one game, and it was the championship game, and I had four over 120. Uh, so it was, cool. pretty, it was pretty, pretty special, but – to go back, we did have one game where we played the same team we played in the championship game where a receiver was targeted two times and he had zero catches. Then you fast forward his his year, he had 48 catches for 1,011 yards. And right. I just looked at him, and it, and it goes back to the story you were telling, and it, it just triggered uh, back in time to that first game and that conversation I had with him. I said, man, look, it, if you get the ball or don't get the ball, I mean, it, you got to go 100% every time you touch, like you're on the field. Like, you don't know when that ball is going to come to you. You know, we got post-snap, pre-snap uh, stuff that we do, um, you know, and we're we're throwing the ball left and right. And, uh, I mean, we, hell, we throw it 48 times a game pretty much in high school. And, uh, yeah, you know, and they're going to get your touches. But, you know, that's that's crucial that you said that second point. You know, they got to be they got to be detailed in what they do. Um, so, so true. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's so, like, like think about how hard it is to get open, right? Like, it's so hard just to win a one-on matchup and get open. And even if you become the best at that, you still might only get the ball seven times a game out of 70 plays. Like, it's just so easy to get discouraged. Right. And the only way I know how to prevent these guys from getting discouraged is to from beating it out of them. If you get discouraged, you show bad body language, you make a mistake, like, I'm going to rip your ass to, to all ends and make you feel terrible about it to beat that out of you. But it's also just like understanding what your role is and understanding that you're, this, this run block you're making on the backside of outside zone away from you is just as important as the fade ball we're going to call at the end of the game to, to win the game. Like, you, like, you know, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Like, yeah. like the way you treat the little things is the way you're going to handle every big situation. You got to stay locked in no matter what. And, and really, like, the, I, I end up talking to my players more about the way they're talking to themselves than anything else. Like, we can talk about all the techniques. You can talk about all the all the, all the all the pretty stuff you can talk. I, I feel like I can coach as much technique as anyone, but if you're not talking to yourself the right way, and, and you don't have positive thoughts going through your head, and you're not you you don't have a rhythm to keep yourself focused when the ball's not coming your way, like none of the technique stuff matters, none of the fancy stuff matters. So I think before anything at the receiver position, especially, it's the way you're talking to yourself on a snap by snap basis that you got to master, and that's that's really hard for a lot of kids to do. Well, I think what you're just hitting on as you're explaining this a little bit, this hustle, it's really a mentality. And there's a growing body of research in the athletics field to support a lot of what you're saying. It starts with your mindset 
And then when I think of hustle, I think of like going out and grinding. Like, and yeah. I know grinding gets overused in high school and in sports, but really it's kind of like, where's your next meal coming from? You know, are you a yeah. hunter and you had a really tough day out hunting and, and food was scared and you don't have anything to eat? Like, that's a grind, you know? That's hustle. I think about the guy, I think about the three Monte card player in New York City, you know, that cliche, the, the kid that's out there and he's grinding and he's kind of trying to take advantage of anyone that he can. Uh, it's almost that same mentality that you have to put on the pads with and step onto the field every single day. And I think it's, that's it's, a growing trend in sports. Yeah. And it's funny you said that. Literally, our slogan, like the, the slogan we've been built around is, we've got to hustle because we've got to eat. Mm. And and exactly that. And it was like when I started working with Muhammad Snoo, and I started working with Taylor Gabriel, and I started working with Juwan Winfrey, some of these guys that play in the NFL, it was, it was different for me realizing, like, yo, these guys really, like, the only way their family has their next meal is by them playing well like the way they're feeding their family is through the game of football and it's different than when you're a d3 college player or even a college player at Rutgers or even you know a high school player like it's different when you're when you're literally getting paid to play football and if you make a mistake you're going to get cut and you no longer have a means of feeding your family like it's just a different level of attention to details a different level of pressure um and exactly like you were saying like like it's like where's my next meal going to come from And, and so that's what like you know, I, I have so many ways I communicate with these kids online. Like we have over 120,000 followers across all platforms. I do an Instagram live show every Tuesday night where I just answer questions. And, like, the biggest thing I try to get kids to realize is, like, there are kids who have the audacity to say, hey, coach, I want to play in the NFL. But then their follow-up question is, how hard should I be working on a Tuesday afternoon? And it's like you can't ask both those questions at the same time. Like, you've got to understand what the reality is that there are literally people who – who have banked their entire life on the game of football, and you're here acting like it's just a, a a fun time, you know, in your spare time. Like people are desperate for this shit, and and you really have to understand how difficult it is to make it at the highest level, and how much work and dedication and commitment and skill it takes. Um, so just just like providing that reality has been a big goal for me because I think there's a huge misconception as to how hard it really is to make it at this level. And I think that's why we see participation drop across the board. High school athletics, like we've got to be prepared. Football, I coach wrestling too. Numbers are down. Numbers have been down consistently. And I think that speaks to the ethos and the work ethic that we're seeing in society that the older generations like me, I've now morphed into my dad as I enter my fifth decade of life. But, uh, you know, I mean, we, we talk about how soft this next generation is and it sounds like what you're telling us is that you can't be soft. And yeah. Um, and I'll be honest though. I don't, I don't really think, I don't really think so much. Like, I think there's a huge misconception that this new generation is soft. I think coaches have gotten softer more than anything. I think that the wow. appearance of social media, the, the appearance of everything being documented, the appearance of families complaining and all this stuff. And like, the fact that a mother can go on Twitter and have a voice and affect your program. Like I, I truly, truly do believe that we have started treating players differently and, and more than anything. And I think rather than, rather than double down and try to build a relationship with your player and understand him and, and make sure that he understands that you love him and then coach him harder, coaches do the opposite and they get afraid to, to build that relationship. They, they get afraid to get too close. And that's when the players own them. Like for me, 
I've gotten harder and harder on my players. I've cursed more and more at them. I've made them do more and more screwed up punishments. But at the same time, I've proven to them that I love them more and more and more over and over and over. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of time. But I really, truly do believe that in this era, coaches have become less willing to give everything to their players and just point the fingers at society. Whereas I think we need to take more accountability as coaches as to why players have gotten softer. Like, I really believe that players have gotten softer. It has more to do with coaches than it does. It has a lot to do with the parents. Don't get me wrong. But I just, my, my point is, I think there's a lot we can do as coaches to kind of kind of uh, combat that. And I think it's something we all need to recognize that, you yeah. know. Uh, well, JT, they, you and kids I. Kids need to be loved differently. They need to be cared for differently. But it doesn't mean we can't push them and can't motivate them and can't treat them the way we used to. Like, I, I think that's a little bit overblown, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, Drew, that's interesting. You know, that's interesting you so, say that. Think, JT, you and I had this conversation yeah. just maybe an, an hour and a half ago about you look at two programs, and we were talking about LSU and Clemson, and then there's there's three words that we use, Drew. We talked about intentional relational leadership with our players. Like, what are you going to do that sets you apart? And, you know, you look at Dabo, and we had our head coach. He texted me today, and he was like, man – and Dabo's doing it right. He watched that 90-minute documentary, and he said that, uh, you know, Dabo, he's really intentional about building those relationships. And I was like, yep. And then I started thinking, like, that's that's why I call our receivers the Air Raid Brigade. You know, they have call signs. They do all this cool stuff. But, man, we had a kid, and I go back to thinking about relationships. I couldn't have had a conversation with a kid that caught and mossed a, And I'll send you the picture, uh, Drew, when we get done, of the kid, of how he caught this ball. But he mossed two dudes in the end zone on fourth and like 17, right before half. And right before then, like I was going to put it, we were going to run a comeback. And the guy uh, that was going to run our comeback, I told him to go in and took this other guy out. Well, we took, called a timeout. We took, we changed the play. We put that dude in. Well, he makes the catch. I'm going to high five him. And he goes, don't you ever take me off a damn comeback route again. And as soon as I went up to go high five him, I was like, nope. Sorry. And I went over and let him have it. And I couldn't have had that conversation at the end of it saying like, man, I'm proud, great route, you know, proud of you for catching that ball, but we're not going to act like that. You know, I love right. you. And that's, you got to build those bonds. And I think they got to be built early. And it's not just with your stud players. It's not just with your mediocre players. And it's not with your bottom, of the bottom of the barrel feeders. It's those guys that, that they need to know that anytime that they go to battle, if they're going battle for their team and for their position coach. Yes. I agree with that wholeheartedly. <clears throat> I also think that there's a special level of attention that needs to be paid to receivers. Just understanding the dynamics of the position. Like, in my opinion, wide receivers have the least control over their impact on the game than any position in football. Aside from maybe like a punter. Right. right. Like, like there's nobody who has less direct, like I could be the best route runner in America and get so good at beating this corner that I'm open every play and still only touch the ball six times, still only impact the game six times in the entire game. Like there's no other position like that. So, so I think that I agree with everything you're saying. I just think there's a certain level of like understanding that needs to have the head coach. I think there's a certain level of, I guess for me, I, I let a certain amount of the bravado of the look at me type of stuff I kind of let it happen because it's kind of like, yo, know, I feel like they need that. They need to get that off their yeah. chest. Yeah. As long as it's not affecting the team, as long as it's not interfering with things. Like, I just think it's important for young receiver coaches to understand, like, 
receivers are receivers and they're not that way because they, like, I truly don't believe receivers are the way they are because they choose to be that way. It's an inherent reaction to having no control over your impact in the game that makes you like want to say, look at me and like all this flashy stuff. Like I just think there's a certain level of understanding. Right. Um, it's a great point. But, but, but then back, right. But then back to what you were saying, like one, 100% that then like, I, I think they got to understand like it's the team first, like it's not look at me, but, I don't know. It's, I think it's really difficult. I think it's, it's a super but, interesting position. It's why I'm, I'm addicted to coaching. I, I played quarterback in college. Wow. Um, and, <laughs> and you know, I was a kid who showed up first at every meeting, and I took every note. And, and for some reason, I'm addicted to the kind of, like, ridiculousness of the receiver position and the prima donnas and the different attitudes and beating that out of them because, A, I understand it. B, I feel like I'm capable of handling it. And I love the process of taking kids who want to be self-centered for, for good reason and forcing them to become uh, team oriented yeah. is a fun process, but 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 I just think that like there, there's a lot of receiver coaches who have zero success because players hate coaching for them because they do not acknowledge the fact that like this is a really difficult situation we're in. Yeah. Even if I sure. even if I have twelve catches a game, even if I have twelve catches a game, that's twelve out of seventy plays. It's nothing, <laughs> and it, yeah. it's hard to deal with. And twelve catches a game is is the one percent of one percent of receivers. Yeah, I think going back and you got to instill confidence in them that they can trust you. Mm-hmm. And then there's an accountability part on the posi- the player and the coach to make sure that all that happens. And that goes back to that, that intentional relationship that you have with that kid. Not just, and it can't just be an on the field deal. Like you got to know who they are. You know, one of the best wide receiver coaches I think in the country right now is Justin Stepp. And what he does with his guys, and yeah. how inten- and how relational he is with those guys. I mean, yes, yeah. you know, you know. And I yeah. think the more that you can preach that, it's hard. It's going to be difficult. You're going to get overlooked. You know, trying to get past that entitlement that comes maybe by nature to the guys that play the position. Uh, I'm thinking a phrase that I use with my wrestlers, and it's "fat cats don't hunt." So when you talk about hustle and your mantra and everything you stand for and all the videos that you post and this community that's growing, uh, I think about you want people that are self-motivated that are ready to hunt right now. And, um, how, how can we as high school coaches build that into the kids that we're around every day? So I, I come real personal with them. I attack their family. I say, listen, if you want to be softer, you telling me that his father is tougher than your father. Are you telling me that, that he was raised better than you were? Are you telling me that, like, literally, like, I, I can't play with that. Like, I can't, I can't deal with it. Like, if you're going to show up and be soft, like, you're really, like, if you're going to go one-on-one against another human being, like, like, you, like so, so, so if you come to, if you come to my indie period, a, bit, a lot of my indie periods will be tire tugs. It'll be one man versus another man pulling a tire. Who could pull it further? It doesn't make you better at football. It has nothing to do with technique. We don't become better receivers. But but you learn you decide if you have some will like do you have do you have the ability to, to fight through some shit and and outwill another man or not and it's like hey you know what like you're you're really gonna allow this kid who's the same age as you bleeds the same as you do looks just like you do to drag you across that line every time like your father is is is, is, is you know I use I use a bad word when I describe it but your father's really that soft like he really he really didn't. He really didn't teach you the things that he needed to teach you to be a man. And you're, and, and you're telling me right now, if he was watching you, he'd be proud of you. Like I, for me, I come really personal with them because it's personal for me. Like they, 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 to me, they are a representation of me. Like I, I take so much pride in my players. I spend so much time with my players. I spend so much time loving my players. Like 
when they drop a ball, I drop a ball. When they screw up in the community, I screw up in the community. And like, I'll be damned if I allow my players to represent me the wrong way. And I, I view myself as a tough guy. I carry myself as a tough guy. I do a lot of different things um, in the football community that I think instills confidence in them and that they feel like their coach is somebody who, whatever, is doing things around the right people. But it's like the bottom line, fellas, is like none of this matters if you're not willing to show up and, and, and put on for your family. And, and even if you're not providing, like, and I compare them a lot. I'm like, listen, I coach guys who are providing for their family to the game of football, whose daughter will not eat unless they make this catch. Like, that's how serious it is. And maybe you're not that person. Maybe you're not providing for your family to the game of football, but you're still representing your family. You still have a name on the back of your jersey. that, that right. And you still, have par- you still have parents in the bleachers who are going to stand up and be proud of their son or, or, or hide their face. And when you get your ass whooped by a corner because you didn't use the right technique, your parents are, are, are going down to get a beer right now and hide their face from anybody else because they don't want to, they don't even want to own the fact that you're their son. And that, that's at least how I come at them. Like I, I just think that like you have to realize as a young kid that it's a lot bigger than you. That people have made sacrifices for you. People are out here rooting for you and putting their name on the line for you. And it's not about how tired you might be or how bad you're feeling for yourself. Like you're representing me. You're representing your family. You're representing this football team. Like. Like you're being real selfish to think that it's just about you. Well, I think that's speaking to your point here, that's really powerful in the sense of what you did yesterday doesn't matter. Exactly. Exactly. Like whatever you did yesterday, like you got to go prove it again all over again. You, you gotta, you gotta make me believe that the name on the back of your Jersey matters. You gotta make me respect you again. So like for me, so like, here's my hopeful. This is how I built my whole receiver culture. I got so I coached at Ruck, I coached at Albany for a year. I coached at Rutgers for three years, um, and it felt like I really learned a really strong foundation of the basis of wide receiver. I learned from Ralph Friedgen, who's a Hall of Fame coach, used to coach at Maryland. Yeah. I, I, I learned from Josh, Josh McDaniel's younger brother, Ben McDaniel, who's now the quarterback coach at Michigan. I worked. I, I learned from Anthony Campanelli, who's a linebackers coach at Michigan, who's the best football coach I ever met. I work for Aaron Smith, who's now the, the receivers coach at UConn. Like, those four guys were the four guys that taught me everything. And I felt like I had a real strong foundation. And then I, I, I got to Wesleyan, uh, which is my alma mater, D3 school where Belichick went, where Belichick went to school. I got, I got back to Wesleyan to, to take my master's. That was the first time I had my own position room. And I got there, and I realized, wow, these dudes are really talented. Like, I got there, we had a really talented group, a lot of really good athletes, really good players, but they had no culture. They had nothing to believe in. They, it was a D3 school, so they never had any consistent coaching. Like, they were just kind of like a bunch of lost puppies, but really talented. So I got there, and I called this WRU. I called this wide receiver U. Like, I started right away. It was Wesleyan, you know what I'm saying? So I used the W logo, WRU. This is us. We're going to own it. We're the greatest. We're, we're the best receiving core in the, in the, in the league. Like, we're going to own this shit. And the, my point of doing it was not to say, like, yo, I'm a better coach than anybody. Not to say we're better than anybody. It was to give them something to believe in. It was to say, yo, you know what? I believe in you guys, so I'm going to give you guys this title of, of WRU. We end up calling it WRU. I'm going to give you guys this title of WRU. I'm going to say that you are wide receiver U. And, but if you have the audacity to claim this title, if you have the audacity to own this and put this in your Instagram bio or whatever the hell you want to do with it, you better show up and work like it every day. And that's something that's been really effective to me is let's call ourselves the best. Let's, let's be a little bit cocky. Let's, let's brag a little bit and say, hey, we're dub are you. Go ahead and, 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 and make fun of us. We're going to prove it every day. If we have the, the balls to say that, that we are wide receiver university, we're going to show up every single day and work like it. And we're going to show up every single day and back that up with the way we play the game. Um, and, and, you know, my second year there, we broke every D3 record that's ever existed for, for a single season 
Like we have every single division three record for single season passing statistics. Um, and, and I truly believe it was part of that, that culture was like, like I was, I was the asshole on campus. I was the guy who was, who does this kid think he is coming from Rutgers saying, dub are you like all these receivers are stuck for years, you know, all this stuff. But I was like, I don't care. Like, we're going to own this. We're going to live up to it. And, and every time you want to be soft, I'm going to look you in the eye and say, you told me you want to be part of this culture. You told me you wanted to own this. You told me that this was you. And now you're telling me it, it, you can't finish this sprint. You can't outwork the guy next to you. You can't go block this, the, the backside cutoff block. Like, there's no excuses if you're going to own this culture. If you're going to own WRU, you can't have excuses. And that's something for me that was super effective. Um, a lot of people took it the wrong way. Drew, you're, you're jacking me up. Like, man, you are pumping me up right now. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, that, that was really how we built it. And, like, ever since, like, our Instagram culture, like, if you trained with me via, like, we have we have now, like, we'll talk about, we have this VIP Instagram program now, like, all these guys signing up for private online coaching. Like, if you're part of it, you're part of WRU. Like, go ahead and brag. Go ahead, go ahead and be the guy who's going to say, yo, I, I am part of my receiving university. I am the best receiver around here because you know what? I'm going to give you the tools and you're going to put in the work to back that shit up. And if you fall short, you're going to keep going for it. But like, you're going to own that from a confidence level. Um, and, and that was my whole philosophy about it. I didn't really know if it was right. I didn't really know if it would work. I just kind of went for it. And, and now you're looking back like five years later and it's worked pretty well. Wow. Well, you can hear the passion in your voice. You can hear the intention that you serve these kids on a daily basis with. You can hear the challenge. And as you're talking about, you challenge the, your guys about their fathers or their families. It's like, there's a lot of people that would have a real problem with that. And really no doubt. what you're, what you're doing is holding them to the standard. You're saying this is new. And if you want to be part of it, membership is exclusive, right? Coach Weaver. Absolutely. Yeah. I... This, this is what you're going to conform to, or you're not one of us. Yeah, so Drew, real That's quick, it. when I was talking about the Air Raid Brigade, like we took that um, when I was a uh, I was a junior high coach for the first five years when our new head coach came in. I was the OC prior to him coming, and then he was like, "Look, I want you to come coach our receivers." Well, I knew that they threw the ball a lot, and our, our head coach is probably one of the top five head coaches in the state of Mississippi. And he's like, "I don't want him to be soft. I don't want him to be this." And I was like, "Deal," you know. So I, we came up with some, some, some names uh, for them, but it was just kind of the same deal that you did with your guys. Like, if you're going to live up to this name, this is what you're going to stand for, and this is going to be the standard. There's going to be non right. there's, there's negotiables. So we came up with ARB. Right. It's called the Air Raid Brigade, uh, just because we throw the ball a lot, and my dad's in the military. And man, it kind of cool. took fire, and our guys have call signs. So I don't even call them by their name. And I was like, look, if you want to live up to your call sign, like one of them is spider. I was like, you can't be dropping the ball. Like if you're spider, it's in yeah. your web, man. So, you know, the passion that you have, man, I'm, I, when you were talking all that stuff, I was like, this dude is drinking the same Kool-Aid I drink. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, it's cool to hear someone similar. And, you know, I, I just, I just think that stuff is really real. And, you know, like, like I had, so now that I'm coaching all these high level guys, you, you kind of deal with the same stuff. Like I had a kid who plays in the XFL who admitted to me, you know, I want to be one of the greatest receivers that ever lived. And the kid actually has the talent to, you know, that's, that's a lofty goal. But, like, who am I to say yes or no? He really does have the talent to where it's not that unrealistic. But I'm like, all right, like, great, great. Let's say let's say that's your goal. Like, you better walk in that purpose every single day. And, that's right. um, 
You, you know, like, like if you're going to set this goal for yourself, like you better really decide to be the best receiver in the world. Every time you work out, you better decide if your goal is to be someone who wants to leave. Like to me, the more I work with these NFL guys, right? There's a certain amount of NFL guys who don't care about legacy. They're really, really happy making $9 million a year, catching 75 passes a year and providing for their family and living a great celebrity life. And like, that's that. And, and you know what? I don't blame them. Like you have all the right, if you're that damn good, you can put your body on the line and make nine million dollars a year and just be okay with that. Like more power to you. And there's nobody who should tell you that's wrong. But if you're somebody who really cares about legacy, like if you're somebody who wants to be talked about after your playing career is over, you're somebody who you want your jersey number to mean something amongst that community. Like you have to understand, like what what you're asking for and the work that that takes. And like you know, back to the whole family thing. Like, like for me, like I, my my father died when I was a, a sophomore in, in in high school, and all my players know that. Like, I tell them that story all the time. I relate to them about that. I coach a lot of kids who come from single parent homes. I coach a lot of kids who come from from lower income, you know, environments. Um, you know, like like in, in New Jersey, I do a lot for for a lot of kids who come from nothing. And I think a, a way I relate to a lot of these kids is the fact that you know, like. I lost my father when I was 15, but you want to know something I'm pretty damn good at? Like, I bring it every day of my life. Like, when I show up to coach you, whether I'm coaching four eight-year-olds who have never played football or I'm coaching Muhammad Sanu and the New England Patriots, like, I bring it every day because I've made a commitment to being the best. I've made a commitment to making my father proud because, you know, I can I, I can no longer have conversations with him about what I should be doing, what I shouldn't. All I can do is, is make him proud through the work and through the way I carry myself and you know, I, I just, I just think like, again, like going back to the beginning, beginning was talking about like loving your players first and building relationships. Like, like my players see me as a human being first. Like my players see me as someone with flaws, someone with, with highs and lows, someone who, you know, says stuff I shouldn't say sometimes, someone who like all that stuff. But I tell them everything about me so that, so that, you know, when, when there is that much genuine love and, and there is somebody who's opening themselves up to you in, in all areas from the way their father died to the way, you know, they, they hung out with some girl on a Saturday night to the way, to the way that he decided to motivate you on a Thursday afternoon. Like when you give them all of that, they're never going to question you when you decide to call them an asshole for not working hard. You decide to get after them. Like, like when you've really opened yourself up that much as I, it's just the only way I know how to coach. I don't know if it's right or wrong. I'm not here saying it, it is right. Because maybe it's not, but but I tell my players everything about me, and then when it's time to get after them, like there's never a question, there's never a rebuttal. Like they know it's out of love. They 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 they've heard my deepest darkest secrets. So how are they gonna then flinch when I say, "Yo, you're not giving me enough"? Like all, all they do is just run harder. Like all they do is is just run through that wall that I ask them to run through. Um, but I think a big thing coaches don't understand is that you you really have to like you have to have the courage to to make yourself vulnerable to these to these kids and let them judge you and let them think of you the way they, they, they may. But, you know, once you do that, that bond is unbreakable. And now when I say, Hey, you're being soft, I need you to do like, there's not even, they, they, I've had kids cry mid practice because they, they've disappointed. Me. Wow. That's how strong it's gotten. And like, that, that's when I was really like, Holy shit. Like maybe I've even taken this too far. Like maybe, maybe I need to back up. Like, like the fact that I just, I just ripped you for doing whatever you did wrong. And it meant so much to you. You started crying. Like, like it, it, it was a, like, that was a real shock to me. Like maybe, maybe like, you know, may, I don't know. It, it's just, it's all a learning process for me. Like I don't, I don't really pretend to know anything. I wish I did. Like, I, I really feel like I've had success with loving my players and them loving me back and them playing hard for me. And we've had a lot of statistical success, but like, I don't really pretend to have it figured out. Like day by day, I'm trying to learn from people around me and 
learn from cultures that work. And, and, and to be honest, to be honest, the best point I might make all night is learning from my players, man. Like, like <laughs> I learn from my players every single day. These kids are 16 years old, 17 years old, 22 years old. You know, Muhammad Sanu is 30 years old. He's a couple years older than me, but like, no matter how old these guys are, like, like who's to say that me, that I can't learn from them no matter who they are. And I think that even empowering them that way and allowing them to speak to you in a sense that they have authority and they, they, they might know something or maybe tell you something that you don't like, I, I don't know. I just, it, it's all a learning experience to me. Like I, I don't really pretend to know, to know anything more than the next guy. No, I think that's really profound. And that's really why coach Weaver and I started the culture classroom is the game has shifted and is continuing to shift every day. And unless you're willing to shift and pivot with it, then you're falling farther behind and that chasm is growing. And so I think it's a really profound look at what the athlete-centered experience is and then how we as coaches can help foster that experience and promote growth and development. Yeah. And that's our job, ultimately. Like, our, our job, ultimately, is to get the most out of our players. And, and, like, you know, I mean, to me, to me, like, I started coaching. I started coaching as, as a sophomore in college. Um, training for my junior year Wesleyan to be the starting quarterback and I'm training over the summer and uh, my old high school coach asked me to help out with his new program and like coach some of the kids and build some community. So I started doing it like on a whim. Like I was like, Hey, you know what? I need receivers to throw to like whatever. And I found it so fulfilling, but, but I found it fulfilling because of the impact I had on the kids. I had kids write me letters after the summer. Like, Hey coach, thank you so much. Like you inspired me to pursue college football. You inspired this. And I was like, wow, like, like imagine just teaching the game of football could help people so much. And that was the first moment that I realized that that was a sophomore in high school. When I, when I look back now, uh, that's about probably 10 years later. Um, I had somebody ask me the other day, like, like, why do you do what you do? Um, and, and the real reason is like, I, I really believe that sport, sport in general, I don't know if you guys have heard the Nelson Mandela quote, but like he says something along the lines of like sport is the most powerful force available to us to change the world. Like there's nothing more powerful to, to break down racial barriers. There's nothing more powerful to bring people together than, than sport. Um, and, and I really believe that like my purpose on this earth is to use the game of football to bring people together, to use the game of football to enhance people's lives and to bring opportunities to people. And like, I wish I could say I was joking when I say that, but I've had so many examples of my impact changing people's lives or me entering someone's life and connecting them with the right person. And now some opportunity comes about that might not even be football related that changed their life or, or I come into someone's life and I say four things to them and they tell me three years later that they never forgot that. And because of that statement, they did this, like it, it is just wild to look back on. I have a short like in my opinion, very unaccomplished career. As much as anyone might want to say I've done, like there are people that have done so much more than me. But I just look at like my short time in this ecosystem and trying to help the football world and how much of an impact I've made. And and, and it's like, I, I just really believe like I'm truly walking in my calling and, and doing what these higher powers have intended to me and that's to use the game of football to help the world. And I think it's, it, it's, it's crazy when you sit back and look at how many people have built careers off the game of football. How many people would have had nothing without the game of football, would, would not have been able to go to college without the game of football, would not have had a profession without the game of football, like might have been in jail, might have been homeless, might have, like, who knows, might have at least, like, at the very least just been unhappy. Like, maybe not, like, in dire straits, but would have just been unhappy without the game of football. And how much this does for people and to be someone who can, who can take this vehicle 
and direct it to the people who need it and and kind of like like foster this relationship between me and them and hey let me just point you in the right direction and now you see their life go from one level to something completely different like you know i I don't it's unlike anything you could ever speak of that's why i talk about it in the way i do as like a calling like i really do believe i'm walking in my purpose using this game to help as many people as i can and when you look at the way the instagram platform has blown up in the last two years like we have 80 we have we have 120,000 followers total we have 80, 83,000 on Instagram. I would say there are legitimately 30,000 kids in the world that think of me as their receivers coach. Wow. And it's crazy. It's like, it's like, yo, like I, I love coaching 12 kids at a time. I love having a room of 15 kids that I love. I put out a video and it affects 30,000 people who, who sit there and write notes and do the drill the next day. And then I get five, 10, 15 DMs a day about, Hey coach, thank you so much. You've helped my life. Hey coach, I was the, JV receiver before I started watching your videos. Now a year later, I just broke my school record. Hey, coach, I could never play on my team, but now I watch your videos and I'm a starter. Like stuff like that all the time. And it's like, what a blessing it is to to be able to use this great game, but also use the technologies available to us and use social media and, and you know kind of adapt to coaching in 2020 and help the masses like this. Like it, there's nothing more fulfilling I could ever think of. Sweet. Well, Drew, we're about to wrap it up. Um... I want you to talk real quick about the VIP subscription and how people can get in touch with you uh, and stuff like that as we come to a close tonight. Yeah, so basically, uh, you know, kind of like I mentioned, I've I've run Sideline Hustle for about two years. um, And what I realized was that, you know, we've got a lot of dedicated followers, a lot of people who are willing, who really will do anything they can to get better. And even as my platform kind of popped up as the first of its kind and I provided so much value for people, there were a lot of guys still looking for more. So what I decided to do was start a paid like subscription members only platform called Silent Hustle VIP um, and just offer like really personalized, individual, intense coaching through this paid platform. And and I think a big way our platform has been built um, was through me answering every DM and every comment and, and, and engaging with the audience. So it's kind of, and now that we have 85,000 followers, like I can't do that on a daily basis to everybody. So let's put that, you know, behind this kind of paid environment, um, which is, it's really the first time I've asked my audience to pay for anything. And so far it's been really great because I'm, I'm putting out content you don't see anywhere else, I'm putting out daily motivational videos, daily breakdowns of film, daily coverage stuff. Um, but also like, like just really like quality intense drills that like, it, it's my, it's my, I'm giving out my bread and butter for, you know, $15 a month, essentially. Um, and, and it's been really successful so far. And it's, it's really just my way of committing to the kids who need more. There, there are thousands of kids in this world who want to be great receivers and simply don't have a full-time receivers coach or simply don't have anybody to teach them the game. Like, there are kids who are talented enough, kids who are dedicated enough, who just don't have the resources or the tools or the knowledge to take their game to the next level. And to me, that's a real shame. Um, so, so that's what I'm trying to do is just like, like if you are that kid and you're willing to, to take that extra step and you're willing to, to commit to us, I'll do anything I possibly can to make sure your game gets to the next level. And, and a big part of it is again, I'm blessed enough to coach some of the best receivers in the world. A lot of NFL guys, like a big part of it is connecting, you know, my regular everyday audience with Mohamed Sanu and Taylor Gabriel and, all, and Devontae Adams and all the NFL guys I coach. But the biggest part of it is just like whatever you need, I'm going to provide for you. If you're willing to, 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 to pay the subscription, to commit to your game and commit to us, like your family. And we have to talk about family all day. It's like that, that's really what it's felt like. If we call it the VIP family, the guys who join up, 
Like there's, we've been doing this seven days. There's already been guys who've been like, Hey, I've been part of this program for seven days. And I feel like I know everybody in the program, like, like they're my brothers already. And they've never even seen each other in person. Well, Drew, um, so I think that's, what's really special about it is like this kind of community we're building and just these guys who, who are desperate for the resources. And I'm, I'm trying to do whatever I can to provide those for them. Yeah. Well, Drew, I can, I can, I can feel the passion. I can feel your love for the game. Uh, I'm glad that we share the same uh, position and the same intensity. Uh, but also, it, you go back to uh, Coach Tory and I's one word for this year, and that's useful. And you sound like you are very useful to every kid that you come in contact with. And what a blessing you are to them uh, for guys that, like you said, don't have a position coach, or maybe they have a position coach that is – not giving them the full effort at what a coach should do, uh, but you're providing that platform uh, for them. And, man, best of luck to you in 2020. I really appreciate it. And uh, it, was a, it was a pleasure talking to you guys and telling the story. So I, I, I thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, JT, you have anything? Yeah, thanks a lot, Coach. Keep hunting. No doubt, man. Keep hunting. I like that. <laughs>